Hello, everyone, and welcome into another episode of Talking Schmidt. And this week, a little bit different. It's actually Talking Schmidt's. My brother Cody joins me for this special episode. Cody, welcome to the show, my friend. Oh, thanks for having me, Ethan. Glad to be here. Uh, obviously, it's kind of both of our namesakes, so it's fitting that you're here for us. But it's also fitting because a special week in the NFC Divisional features a longtime sibling rivalry matchup for ourselves. As I was a have been a fan of the Packers all my life, Cody's been a fan of the 49ers all of his life. So we've had a great opportunity throughout our time to see some really great matchups between these two teams. Um, recently, they've been in favor of San Francisco. The last three meetings with Rodgers and San Francisco in the playoffs have been all San Francisco. We'll get to that a little bit later on, but first, a little housekeeping here. We want to thank our first sponsor for the podcast, still continuing to be a sponsor for us, Big Timber Roofing. Our guy, Corey Turner at Big Timber Roofing. Uh, wants to let you know that you can give him a call, 931-472-5055. Give him a call. He'll give you a free estimate. You can also reach out, head over to BigTimberRoofing.com or go to BigTimberRoofing at gmail.com, and he'll get you taken care of, get you a free inspection on your roof. With all the severe storms that have been coming through the area over the past few months, all the big snows we've had, and still some weather ahead of us still in the months of January, February, March, April, uh, really, until we get to about May, it's always good to get your roof checked on and looked at uh, just in case you have a little bit of damage because you never want that caving in on you. All right. So give a good call out to Corey, see if he can't get you fixed up and doing all right. So we're going to look back first here in this first segment, Cody. We're going to take a look at the, NF, uh, the NFL wildcard round. I know a lot of people were a little upset um, saying that some of the games were just massive blowouts. And that is true. We did see that. Uh, that happened in the Bills-Pats game, the Bucks-Eagles game, uh, the Chiefs-Steelers games, and the Rams-Cardinals game. Now, looking at that, though, of those games, only two of those games, uh, I guess, shouldn't have happened in the old way that the wild card was set up, where the two-seed had a bye game. So really, still, 50% of those blowout games were still games that we would have seen. We still would have seen the Bills versus the Pats in that three-versus-six matchup. Uh, we still would have seen the Rams and the Cardinals in that four versus five. So I know a lot of people were watching it and saying that they would rather have had um, uh, a game, games like that, or you know, kind of going back to the sixteen format. But even in the sixteen format, fifty percent of the games that we would have seen in that first round would have been blowout victories. So are you still fine with the seven team format? and having as many games as we do that first weekend? Or do you kind of agree with everybody right now that's saying that we should go back to the 16 format? Well, I, I think in fairness, especially to the Raiders, especially to the Cardinals, my 49ers, uh, and the Patriots, Week 17 was a playoff game in a lot of ways. Uh, you look at the Raiders and Chargers, and, of course, that whole issue that was where if they would have tied, both would have made it into the playoffs – um, so a lot, of, a lot of ways, some of these teams were coming off of a week 17, which for all intent and purpose was another post was might as well have been a playoff game for them. So they were all pretty, already pretty exhausted. Um, I don't think you should change the format. You're going to have blowouts. I mean, there, there's always going to be those games. I mean, there could be blowouts this week, uh, even in the, with the four, you know, the final eight teams left and four division playoff games. So I, I like the new setup. I think it does, you know, it really puts an incentive on being number one. It also puts an incentive on playing through instead of where we start seeing years past teams 
kind of look at week 16 like a preseason game and getting guys reps and resting starters, whereas now you know, a lot of teams are very competitive. So I think overall, leading into the playoffs, it was very competitive. Obviously, there were some blowouts, but I, I think that it was – you know that just happens. I don't. I don't think we'll see that every year. But I think we um, definitely see teams improve. We'll definitely see teams exhausted. We'll definitely. We had two really good games with San Francisco and Dallas and Las Vegas and Cincinnati. Yeah, absolutely. I, I felt the same way about it. I mean, we kind of all felt that the Chiefs Steelers game. Uh, was going to kind of end that way uh, once the Chiefs started getting to get like started to get going. Uh, I know in the early goings, when you looked at it, though, the Steelers did leave 7 nothing. Uh, played very well defense to start that game, um, well, but ultimately Patrick Mahomes and company took over. Uh, when Ben Roethlisberger pretty much says, hey, I have no intent of winning. I have no you know delusion that we're going to go past this round. We're just going to have fun. You know, that, that's a great vote of confidence from, you know, ultimately a Hall of Fame quarterback. So I know some of his teammates are probably disappointed and the, the tempo and the tone for them going into it was, uh, you know, poor. I mean, maybe the Chargers would have played a better game, uh, you know, possibly. So I, mean, I, I don't think that, that that alone should debunk the seven teams um, because, you know, ultimately if you did have like, you know, Los Angeles Chargers in there, you know, they played the Chiefs really tough. And uh, that could have been a really high-scoring game where maybe, maybe in Kansas City would have been upset. Yeah, and I think it's going to obviously take one of those seven seeds to finally kind of get one of those upsets for people to understand it. I mean, it's just going to take some time. I mean, the Eagles rested their starters uh, that last week in that, you know, week 18 in the 17th game of the season. They, they rested their starters as they should have. I mean, they already knew that they had their playoff spot. Um, it was just if they were going to be the seven or six seed at that point. And then, of course, San Francisco – uh, had to play to that very final minute and overtime against uh, um, against the Rams there. So, I mean, really the Eagles did it right as well by benching players and, and kind of doing it smart. Um, but, yeah, no, I agree with you. I think, you know, the Steelers definitely looked at it as, uh, you know, you know, I, I mean, I kind of felt the same way thinking about it too. And, and I thought at some point Mike Tomlin might just be like, all right, let's put Mason Rudolph in. I really thought that was going to happen just because at, at one point, you know, like I said, the Steelers were up seven, nothing at that point. I don't think big Ben was ever going to win you that game. Um, kind of mind blowing that they kept him in there, but going back to that first game of that wild card weekend, as you mentioned, that Bengals Raiders game, huge victory for Cincinnati and Joe Burrow uh, and company, um, you know, going into that game, they were mentioning the fact that at, you know, nobody had ever texted, that Cincinnati had won a playoff game. And finally, we've been able to do that because the Bengals were able to beat the Raiders 26-19. That was a very good game as well. Um, I think, like you mentioned, I, I think it's a very uh, big point to mention that the Raiders had to play in an overtime game against the Chargers literally a week before to even find themselves really in there. Um, so that had to be kind of nerve-wracking, and, and you kind of just exhausted yourself. And the Bengals were able to just hold on just enough to win that. But – um, again, I think you hit a good point on that one. A lot of these teams, especially the Raiders, were, and even the 49ers, despite them winning, uh, were teams that had to play you know, a very strong final week of the season to get there. So uh, I think that could have plagued the Raiders as well, but I thought that was one of the better games this weekend uh, that we saw was Raiders. Yeah, Bengals-Raiders. So um, happy for Joe Burrow. Right. 
Well, in the Bengals organization, um, you know, Bill Walsh, obviously a major figure in 49er history, NFL history in general, you know, father of the West Coast offense. And he had, hi, Bella. He attempted <laughs> yeah. to bring the, bring the uh, you know, really the Bengals were the ones that could have had that. The success the 49ers had in the 80s in some ways should have been Cincinnati. But the, I forget the gentleman's name, but the quarterback at the time really took to the West Coast system, had just a freak injury that ended his career prematurely. So, you know, that's that's how history played out. And Walsh goes to San Francisco, beating the Bengals twice in Super Bowls. And uh, so I, I think for Cincinnati, it's a long time coming. You know, the opportunity to be – and I, I think they'll, uh, they're a team that's going to be here a while. Um, the AFC in general just has a lot of youth and a lot of explosive dynamic offenses that are very young. So, I mean, I, 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 for all of our Titans folks, I, I'm not going to say the Bengals fans should get used to it this season, but – you know, they might be getting used to success in the coming seasons as being a your predominant team in the AFC North, certainly. Yeah, absolutely. And, and of course, you know, shout out to Bella the Cat that decided to jump up and kind of get in front of the camera like she does most of the time. And obviously we're doing this recording. For the Bengals. Yeah, right when you're talking about the Bengals. She didn't even know. <laughs> um, but yeah, during that time, uh, yeah, she, obviously if you're if you're listening to this, you can't see it, but uh, we recorded via Zoom, so Cody was able to see ba- uh, Bella jump up there. And, of course, as you know, Callie ran in and, and was yelling for a scout to come in as well. So we had that going on as well during that time frame. But um, next game on the docket was Bills versus Patriots, and I feel like this was just a long time coming for the Bills. Uh, if you saw the the stat line on that, it was the first perfect offensive game in the history of the playoffs. There was no punts. They scored on all their possessions. Um, they didn't throw any interceptions. I don't think they had any negative plays at all in the contest. Um, Josh Allen was never sacked. They never lost yards on a rush. So the Bills had an absolute complete game. Um, I saw a Bills team that, you know, George kind of brought it up, and his biggest concern, you know, he picked the Pats last week. His biggest concern that we had was the fact that he thought the Bills uh, just wouldn't be able to run the ball. The difference, though, is Josh Allen – makes up for the fact that you don't really have a running back in Buffalo. And I think that's what we saw last week was Josh Allen really stepping up, putting that entire city on his back and really kind of getting rid of the, uh, you know, the, the menace that's been there for a while. I mean, by no means do I think that this is the end of the Belichick era, but for certain uh, the Bills kindly finally got a chance to beat up on big brother. Oh, definitely. I mean, it's been, you know, Patriot Day. It, it's been their division since, you know, most of our, probably many of our listeners weren't even born yet when the Patriots started, you know, this this ridiculous run with Belichick. And I mean, I wouldn't, you know, count them out. I mean, it's always hard to pick against Belichick. But uh, that Bills Mafia, the, the, the whole community, that, that you know, the franchise, you even had Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was in the stands, shirtless, with the Bills fans. It, it just That is the energy and the excitement that that team has. And it, it, for as cold as it was, for them to just go out there and put 47 points on the board is insane. And there's a lot of debate, you know, Josh Allen, but his toes work. You know, could he, could he keep blood flow and circulation, you know, to his extremities? And, uh, I mean, I'm not sure. There, there's a lot of different things on the different sports radio shows that I listened to all week last week. And, you know, certain uh, performance enhancers 
that he could potentially take to you know increase blood flow and ensure blood flow. I'm not sure what the guy did or didn't do, but obviously what he did do is put 47 points up and advance to the second round, which um, you know for the Bills that's back to back years now where they've had success in the postseason after a considerable postseason drought as well. Moving on to the next game, it was one of the other blowout games. So the the back-to-back games that we saw that were blowouts featured the Bills beating the Patriots and the former uh, gunslinger for the Patriots and the Buccaneers beating the Eagles 31-15. I think that was kind of an easy pick for a lot of us going into that week was just saying that, uh, you know, Tom Brady was going to Tom Brady in the playoffs and and the Eagles really didn't stand a chance. Um I kind of felt that way as well. I, I think Jalen Hurts, you know, I, I don't know if he's the answer there in Philly. Um, I think he's the right now in Philly for certain. Um, they still have a lot of pieces that they're putting together, you know, but, you know, Tom Brady finally getting a little bit of revenge on the Eagles in the playoffs uh, with that 31 15 victory. And if you've seen the video, he caught a ball on the sideline. Yeah, the he, he caught a pass for Jalen Hurts. So, yeah, that was. <laughs> Yeah, who who's gonna pick against Tom Brady? I mean, honestly, um, it's it's that's gonna be tough for the NFC. Both we're both obviously rooting on F- NFC teams, and I know as a Packers fan, you're probably not looking forward to the potential of Brady going to Lambeau because the the majestic cold of Lambeau has no effect on Tom Brady. Yeah. Brady, uh, many awesome playoff victories in the ice and the snow and the cold of Foxborough and. You know, those of you who have watched the documentary, um, Brady has mentioned that, you know, he, he likes playing in the snow. He likes playing in those elements because he feels like it's uh, the advantage that better athletes have is taken away. They're all equal and they're on his level. So uh, that I'm not surprised. I mean, there were some that were really calling for the Eagles potentially getting the upset. Uh, time will tell if Jalen Hurts. Well, the one thing I've always I admire about him is his work ethic. Um, you know, what he would do when he was at Alabama and even when he was in high school, getting the, getting the keys to the gym and getting there early and putting work in and working harder than everybody else. And, you know, hard work and that sort of work ethic, you know, covers up a lot of sins because it covers up a lot of inequity. So yeah, Philadelphia, I mean, kind of similar to New England. You have a, a young quarterback who's still trying to develop, still trying to find their way. And, you know, with the right, you know, mentorship and the right coaching, you know, they could still be a force to reckon with going forward. Moving into the next game, the game that you were obviously keeping an eye on was that 49ers-Cowboys game. And um, a lot of a lot of controversy around the last little bit of that game. 49ers do end up winning it 23-17 over Dallas in Dallas. Um, obviously, there was a quarterback draw that was run. Uh, the Cowboys didn't have any timeouts when it was uh, when it was designed. It could have been a good play design. The official was trying to run in and spot the ball. Um, just got there a little bit too late before the spike. Um, so a lot of things. And and the way that I look at it is this: if you look at the stats in the line, uh, San Francisco did a great job in that contest. I mean, they they got pressure on Dak. Um, you know, they they forced negative plays. Um, Dallas made more mistakes than, you know, just trying to run a quarterback draw at the end of the game. I mean, it, it was four quarters of them could should have, could have, would have. But, I mean, San Francisco really came out and dominated it. Dallas was actually coming back. So they were coming back late in that game. But San Francisco, I mean, what was it, 23-7 at one point that they were up on Dallas? Yes. Despite Jimmy's best efforts to Garoppolo that game, we overcame. 
And uh, I, I'll say that of all due respect, the, the guy, God bless him for three quarters. He, he's almost Montana-like, not quite, but almost. And then that fourth quarter, he just, he, he, he starts imploding. I mean, I'm not sure what happens there. But uh, the only thing that helped us with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo in the game was Mike McCarthy showing why he's not a Packers coach anymore. And uh, so if anybody ever had any doubts of why the Packers part of Mike McCarthy, just how the Cowboys managed that final drive, I think is proof. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, honestly, are you any better than you were if Jason Garrett was still there? Uh, that, that's something, you know, Jerry's going to have to figure out. And you know, but it, it was satisfying. All I can say about that game is how satisfying it was to knock off uh, one of our perennial playoff rivals. You know, you yeah. go back to great playoff moments. The, the catch will always be, you know, always will have to be like in the top, at least the top 10 moments, if not like top five to top three playoff moments. You know, Montana throwing up to Clark against the Cowboys. And really the passing of the torch of the, the dynasty of the 70s to the dynasty of the 80s. So that, that was fun. I also enjoyed watching uh, Trent Williams laugh at Cowboys fans as they were heckling him. And all the tears of the Cowboys fans are filling up the Rio Grande. And that's the good day. The America truly won after that. America's team losing makes America happy. That's really what it, it is, right? Yeah. It really yeah. does. Um, obviously, Dallas, uh, you know, I mean, you looking at their schedule, there was a lot of games where they won. I mean, even that game against Washington, they try to blow that. Um, I guess that was uh, there in December. Uh, I believe it was the second or third week of December when they took on Washington in uh, Andover and just almost blew that game as well when they had a three touchdown lead at points. So this wasn't a, this wasn't a good Cowboys team. It was a Cowboys team that's playing in the NFC East. Um, I feel like it's, it's, it, that's just such a division that you should be able to win. If you're the Eagles or Cowboys, um, you should always be the favorite right now because um, Washington still doesn't even know what their mascot is yet. And the, New the York can't figure game. it out. Yeah, exactly. And and New York can't really figure things out either. So looking at it that way, uh, when you kind of look at it, I mean, it just kind of makes sense. But yeah, 49ers winning just kind of added another another uh great storyline in that 49ers Cowboys playoff run. Moving into the late game, we kind of talked about it. Chiefs versus Steelers. I, I kind of voiced my opinion a little bit. I thought Mike Tomlin, um, I I it was one of those things where it might be that. Tomlin just was letting Big Ben have his last moment. Um, but I feel that when you're in the playoffs, you have a lot of young guys on that team. I, I want to throw that out there. Najee Harris, um, Deontay Johnson, um, Juju Smith-Schuster was back. You have you know Chase Claypool, TJ Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick. You still have gamers in that on that team. Um, you would almost wonder what would have happened if you would have put in a backup quarterback instead of Big Ben and just said, hey, man, like, I know you don't think we can win this, but I feel we're up 7 nothing right here, you know, or even when it was 7-7 when Mahomes had that great drive, you know, the next drive, Big Ben goes three and out again. Um, I get the whole, like, letting this guy have his moment, you know, but I also, this is the playoffs. This isn't week 18, you're out of it, Okay. You've made the playoffs. Why not try to put somebody out there that's going to win you the game? I mean, his passes, granted, there were several drops. I'm not going to lie. There were several that bounced right off the hands of the receiver, but there was a lot of passes that were just not being thrown the way that they should have been. I mean, if this was Big Ben in the early 2000s, like, yeah, don't bench him. Like, he'll figure it out. But 
I, I was just frustrated with the fact where you still have these young guys out there. You still have some talent out there in the Steelers, and it almost was just like, well, we're just going to let Big Ben have his time and not really focus on the team. Now, I don't want to say anything about Mike Tomlin like that because I do think Mike Tomlin is an amazing coach. He's the only coach in his entire career to never have a losing season. The guy has done great work with guys like Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, Big Ben on his roster. I mean, this guy is definitely a, a gold jacket Hall of Fame coach. But, I mean, in this moment, how do you not try to upset the Chiefs? I mean, if you can, you're up 7 nothing. You know, it's tied 7-7, whatever it is, in, in the ball game, And then all of a sudden, you know, next time you, you open your eyes, you blink there, it's 28-7, and you just let the Chiefs do the Chiefs thing against you. It's, uh, I'm not, I, it's baffling. You know, I don't know if there, to this point in time, is a franchise that has been ran and managed consistently with success as well as the Steelers have been. I mean, you look at a team that has just been – really since its inception has been one of the, you know, benchmark cornerstone franchises in the National Football League. But it's almost like they thought that Ben Roethlisberger would never retire. It's almost like they thought that they'd never need to get another quarterback. It, 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 is, it is confusing that the if any of these games it shows a fundamental just shift in power change in the AFC, it would be this game where we know the Chiefs have been good. They've played in the last two Super Bowls. They've won one of those Super Bowls. And uh, you will see, like, the Steelers as the dying franchise, the one that's on life support, uh, the one that's just going to fade away. And, I mean, I, of course, the Pittsburgh fans may not like that. They may not, you know, care for that sort of – that might be a very the biggest hot take ever – but uh, unless they start doing something differently in Pittsburgh, I mean, I don't see it getting any better for them. Every other team in that division has gotten better than they have. They got into this uh, playoff because you know the Raiders were just able to edge out the Chargers. Had that went, you know, had it went to a tie, then they wouldn't have been in the playoffs at all. So they had a lot of help to get into the playoffs. So I mean, it is it is odd. I mean, how Pittsburgh's being managed right now what their plan is going forward. Um, yeah, I don't I imagine I have to trade up for Kenny Pickett. Uh, is that the, the quarterback from Pittsburgh? I imagine that's probably their goal. Um, but it's, it is weird. I mean, I, I don't expect anything less from the Chiefs, though. You know, Andy Reid is still, you know, doing his thing, and the, the Chiefs had some lulls in the you know middle midpoint of the season. But so far, these last couple weeks of the regular season and certainly in this first round of the playoffs, they're, they're definitely in – their high-performing form that, you know, fans have came to expect to see over the last several seasons. I mean, that defense picks up uh, for the Chiefs in, in the playoffs. And, and it's more, you know, during the season, you'll hear it's a terrible defense. And all of a sudden, the playoffs come around. And Chris Jones, uh, he hits his superstar X-factor during the playoffs for certain. A little Madden gesture there. Hey, that, that, that front eight of the Chiefs has been really good over the last couple of years. I mean, I, you, you can ask Titans fans about that, you know, two years ago in the AFC Championship. As a 49er fan, I was wondering why we kept trying to run the ball up against them in, up the middle. And uh, uh, they, they definitely, you know, that, that front eight can definitely play really well. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that one. Chiefs moving on, though. Final game was the Rams versus Cardinals. Monday night game, uh, I thought that was a little weird that they had a Monday night game. I didn't see why you just couldn't do three Saturday, three Sunday games. But whatever, stretch it out, make the money, give it a Monday night game whatever the NFL wanted to do. I mean, they're NFL is going to NFL regardless of what we do. Um, 
but had a Monday night game. Uh, really didn't have to stay up long to realize the Rams were just going to run away with it. Yeah. But, you know, some credit has to go out uh, to Matt Stafford and Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, OBJ caught his first ever touchdown in the playoffs. Remember, he had a chance against Green Bay when he was playing for the Giants, and he dropped it at Lambeau and then didn't come back for the rest of the game after it. Um, and then Matt Stafford, man, just the the warrior that he's been. And, you know, as much as I, you know, have always given the Lions heck as a Packers fan because it's the Lions, you know, Matt Stafford gave uh, a lot. I mean, just the uh, – you saw it against the Cardinals. He was taking shots against the Cardinals square to the chest and still getting up, trying to play, trying to breathe, um, things like that. But the Rams just running away with it. Sonny Michelle. Cam Akers had games. OBJ had good games. You know, Cooper Cup was doing his part. Uh, that defense looked good. Von Miller looks like he's finally fitting in, figuring out. Of course, Aaron Donald, Aaron Donalding things. So, I mean, the Rams looked really good. But the thing is, and, and, and if you listen to a lot of sports takes on it, I, I think even though the Rams look good and credit, you know, credit where credit's due, like somebody had to win that game, uh, the Cardinals have almost been frauds for most of the, the second half of the season. They've won some games skated by, but when they've played against tough-tiered opponents like the Rams, like the Packers, they've been exposed. Um, and I think that's right. been the big thing in this is, yeah, the Rams won, but they beat a Cardinals team that I don't think is as good as the Cardinals uh, were being portrayed as. Absolutely. I mean, you had Cam Akers back, too, for the Rams. I mean, they, they were definitely healthier and, you know, definitely, I think still reeling from the 49ers game. I think that defense, especially those guys, had a chip on their shoulder, and rightfully so, because at one point in time against the 49ers, you're, you're up by like, you know, three three possessions. And they come back and lose in overtime against your your principal rival. I think they that was, the, that was a wake-up call for them. I think that really got them fired up and energized. And it's just one of those those moments that in this this game, the sport that we love, that you, when you see that happen, you always feel bad for the, t- the next team. You know, we always say, especially if like with Alabama, you, know, we, we, you feel bad for the team that had to play Alabama after Texas A&M. Uh, you feel bad for anybody who's got to play Alabama next year after losing to Georgia. And uh, you know, Sean McVay was able to you know, really rein, rein that team back in and get that big playoff victory in Los Angeles. Which is huge and huge for that franchise and organization. So, I mean, I, I kind of you know feel like the the Rams can be that really sleeper dangerous team in the NFC. You know, tomorrow will be or Sunday will be really interesting when they play against the Buccaneers to see how they you know can do against Brady. And I you know I kind of think that you know that that might be a tough one. And uh, certainly if they can get that win over Tampa, then that, that could be a, a big, 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 you know, scary team to have to face in the NFC Championship at that point. Yeah, it's, uh, six quarterbacks entered this past week, all with the chance to win their first ever um, game in the playoffs, or six quarterbacks at least that could have won it. Uh, Joe Burrow was one of them. Matt Stafford was the other one. Derek Carr, uh, Mac Jones – Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray were the other four that didn't win. So out of those, you got to see a chance for Joe Burrow and Matt Stafford to get it. We're going to take our first break in the show. We come back, Cody and I are going to go through, make some picks here in the divisional round and look at the matchups that we're going to see starting on Saturday, Bengals, Titans, 49ers, 
Packers. Stay with us. You don't want to miss it right here on Talking Schmidt. And welcome back to Talking Schmidt. Joined by my older brother, Cody Schmidt, we want to say a good, uh, I think, guten tag to our German listeners. I don't know if I told you this or not. I'm international now. There we go. So, uh, big shout out to our German fan base. I think we have some listeners that are down in Australia as well. So, I feel that, you know, Talking Schmidt just growing a little bit. I think it might have just been the fact that maybe we had some people in Germany with the last name Schmidt that saw our last name. And got a little excited about it and thought, oh, this is cool. And then they were like, oh, they're talking about American football. What's going on? Um, but we're still, yeah, uh, I am. I do like Bayern Munich. Okay. So we'll throw that out there. I, I mean, if I watch soccer and I watch Bundesliga, okay, FC Bayern Munich, big fan. And I, and you know this as well, when it comes to World Cup time, obviously big fan of Team USA, but I am a big, fa- uh, big fan of Team Germany. So Euro Cup, I watch Team Germany as well. So, I think it works out fairly well for our German listeners that, you know, I don't know much about soccer, but I will watch it, especially when it's like world stuff. So I believe they call it foosball. Yes. Yes, that is true. That is the correct, uh, maybe correct pronunciation. But regardless, we have listeners who are across the pond from us. That's exciting, exciting stuff as we continue to grow. Talking Schmidt here. Don't forget, big sponsor out there, Big Timber Roofing. Uh, our good friend Corey Turner at Big Timber Roofing. Give him a call, 931-472-5055. Hit him up at bigtimberroofing at gmail.com or visit his website, bigtimberroofing.com. You can also find him on Facebook. Uh, he'll have a chance if you want to get a free estimate on your roof. He can come out, check it out for you. Just give him a call, send him an email, visit his website. He'll take care of you from there. You don't want to run into issues where, especially when we get closer to rainy season, where you got holes in your roof. You don't want to have to put buckets out all around the house. So give Corey a call before things start getting a little rainy outside. Um, but Cody, we're jumping into another good week here. NFL, NFL divisional round of the playoffs starting on Saturday, just 45 minutes down the road from us here in Clarksville. Big game going on. The Bengals come to town. Cincinnati in town against Tennessee. I like this matchup a lot. There's a lot of question marks that are going to come into this one. Some of the things that I feel are obviously big storylines, obviously, is how's Derrick Henry. Uh, That's obviously the main storyline that I'm seeing. Matchup-wise, one of the big storylines that I have in this one is how does the Titans' defense match up with the receiving core that you're going to see from uh, Cincinnati with guys like Jamar Chase, uh, guys like T. Higgins, guys like Tyler Boy, uh, Boyd. Um, another storyline that I have, and I, well, another I think another matchup issue that I would see is obviously Joe Mixon. How do you cover a guy like Joe Mixon as well when he's running the ball or coming out of the backfield catching? For Tennessee, obviously, the same kind of answer is out there. Is Cincinnati healthy enough to stop guys like A.J. Brown? Julio Jones came back um, in that last week of the season, played a little bit. Ryan Tannehill is a sneaky guy when he can start running the ball as well. There's a lot of different variables coming in um, for Tennessee in this contest as well. So looking at a lot of different storylines and seeing what's going to come in there. The other thing is, you know, how does Tennessee respond after having a bye week? You know, a lot of teams struggle out of the gates when they take on a team that has a week under their belt and a win in the playoffs. So knowing all that, 
kind of what's your perception and what's your outlook for this Bengals-Titans game? Well, you have the little more dynamic passing offenses coming into town. But you also are going against the highest graded, you know, this year the best safety in the league in Kevin Byard. Uh, and really the, the defensive backfield for the Titans, I thought, have been pretty good. Uh, you had Byard, who's had definitely a career year, who's definitely stepped up in a leadership role. And really, I, I think him having a good game tomorrow and him really being able to see that field and direct the defense, especially the secondary, is probably the most important storyline for the Titans. If they can, you know, take away that, you know, high scoring offense of the, the Bengals and the Titans can just run the rock, pound that rock all day long, you're going to really mitigate what the Bengals are able to do well, and that's put up points. Um, I, the Raiders, with just a four-man, you know, rush, were able to, you know, get some pressure there on Joe Burrow. Uh, you know, obviously Max Crosby is a, you know, is a star player for the for that on that defensive line, but you with Jeffrey Simmons, with uh, you know, certainly the linebackers. With, you know Cunningham, who's only been here a couple of weeks, but it made it ultimately you know, a huge impact on there. I, I think the Titans can do this. I think they can really play and take away and really you know take away the strengths of the Bengals. And um, what I would say for Titans fans and for like just the Titans in general is to you know borrow from what Aaron Rodgers said a few years ago and just relax. Uh, Derrick Henry is going. You know what we've seen throughout his career. Is he someone that takes time to get really going? He, it's, it's almost like watching that, just like this big, powerful engine start to warm up. And uh, he, he's a he's kind of a body blows guy. I mean, he can get in space, and make big plays, but uh, you know, don't don't start getting nervous if you know his first few carries are for like three or four yards. They're not really these explosive plays, and you, you want that. You want that sort of tempo and that tone. And um, ultimately, I think the big factor for the Titans is Mike Rabel. Uh, I think he really sets the tone for this team. I think he really gets the, the fan base energized, the city energized. So it'll, it'll be fun. I, I, I think the Titans can do it. I, I think a lot of the, the fans, the atmosphere in Nashville is being you know, compared to 1999. And them in the playoffs in 99 was very impressive. So they were a wild card team that made it all the way to the Super Bowl. So uh, I, I think they can do that. I mean, the, you do look at that offense, what the Chiefs or the Bengals can do as far as throwing the football and then, you know, what three receivers over a thousand yards. But uh, it helps when you have the best safety in the football. So that definitely does mitigate that. And also, too, you know, Burrow and Tannehill, you know, a realistic assessment is that Burrow is probably the better quarterback. The difference here is that Burrow, this is only his second playoff game, whereas Tannehill, he's got a few more under his belt. So, he has the experience. I think Tannehill also, he, he knows his role. And I think he knows where, what he does well for the Titans. And he does it. You know, he's, that, he's that ultimate field general kind of quarterback. And whereas Burrow, if things start going badly for him, I, I think he'll start freezing up. He'll start clamming up a lot like how Mahomes did in the Super Bowl last year. So last week, uh, making picks, I won a perfect 6-0 and in my picks in the first round of the playoffs. Our good friend George went four and two. He took the Pats and he took the Cowboys. Um, I got all six picks right. So looking at it now, he's starting off with a pick, taking the Titans to start off here against the Bengals and then get a victory there. Uh, 
Are you feeling the same way? Are you going to take the Titans in this game against the Bengals? Absolutely. It's, it's good for business. Uh, I feel like we have a lot of listeners that are Titans fans, so we, we're gonna we're gonna be the uh, uh, we're gonna be the homer here for them, and we're gonna say uh, go Titans. Uh, it's gonna be it'll be wild if Cincinnati won this game. I, I just feel with the fact of how um, it's a younger team has a chance to kind of be the team for years to come. But I think you kind of said it earlier. It's going to be a team for years to come, but not maybe this year. Um, I think the Titans will have it as well. I think uh, a, a card that will be played if Derrick Henry's struggling a little bit early on will be Devonta Foreman. He's been absolutely great this season as well, replacing Henry. Um, so I think that's a factor that you have to look into. You have a guy that is running the ball well, so if Henry is slow to start with, he's a, definitely a good guy to throw in there as well um, to maybe make some things happen. I don't know if the Bengals are healthy enough on defense to get a good stop against Tennessee uh, so I'm going to take the Titans as well. Now, before we get going here, I, ha- I do have to I do have to do a wardrobe a uh, wardrobe change real quick for you before I get going on this next game. So give me one second here. Might get loud for a second as I as I put my mic down, but give me a second. Okay, Lee Corso. All right. Good thing for editing. I, I should be able to make that move a little bit smoother here. Um, <laughs> Right now, obviously, you can't see us at home because we're on audio here, but uh, we're wearing jerseys that we've got each other uh, for the past two years for Christmas. You're wearing your Joey Bosa jersey, or your Nick Bosa jersey. Sorry, not Joey. Joey's sitting at home watching his brother. And I'm wearing the new jersey you got me this year, the Minister of Defense. One and only. Yeah. VFL. As well for all my Vols fans out there, which obviously I'm not a Vols fan, but you know, for all the Vols fans out there, throwing on the Reggie White jersey for this one, uh, probably one of the best young defensive players uh, that you're wearing right now, and then obviously one of the greatest to ever play defense, the man Reggie White. So, how to make sure I made the wardrobe change before we got into our picks for Packers 49ers? Listen, I know who we're gonna pick. Um, no, no, no fan of the game. Sorry, no, sorry for the cop there, but no fan of a team is ever going to pick against their own team. Um, so I know who you're going to pick. I know who I'm going to pick. Um, I will say this much though: some of the things I feel ride heavily against Green Bay in this contest. Um, one thing is Nick Bosa. They talked to uh, Kyle Shanahan today. They say that he's more than likely going to be able to play on Saturday. I think he's almost cleared all the concussion protocol, stuff like that before the game. So he is, um, it's very likely that he will play in that game. Some of the things that I worry about most with Green Bay in this contest. One, does Elijah Mitchell run over him like Raheem Mostert did just a few seasons ago? If that run defense is there, which I feel Green Bay's run defense has gotten a lot better. Kenny Clark, great guy up front. Very hard to run against him. Devondre Campbell, the first all-pro linebacker that Green Bay's had since a guy by the name of Ray Nitschke. It's kind of a big deal uh, for Green Bay because they really haven't had that through the past few seasons. Um, Still don't know about Jair Alexander yet. We'll get that figured out. Um, I think Eric Stokes will do a good job if he's still that top corner. Um, Rasul Douglas has had some good success as well playing. Uh, If Jair is able to play, I feel like that's a good matchup on Debo. Um, Green Bay's defense is going to have to come out and play very well. Uh, if Zadarius Smith is able to play, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, that pass rush is going to have to be on Jimmy Garoppolo, force him to make some mistakes. 
Um, but I do think the things that do benefit San Francisco in this contest is their defensive line is still one of the best defensive lines in the entire game of football right now. And if they can get pressure on Aaron Rodgers, that is what has cost him in the past few meetings, the 0-3 throughout the playoffs for Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers taking the 49ers. He's been sacked seven times. That is the fact that you have to look at. David Bakhtiari is supposed to be back. It'll be his first game this entire season. Uh, you, they've, they've elevated um, several other players that have been on the offensive line. I think Patrick's back. Uh, Billy Turner's back. Um, still missing Elton Jenkins. Of course, he tore his ACL. So that's like the one piece that's missing. But for me as a Packers fan, the things that I worry about the most against the 49ers is, will they be able to stop Elijah Mitchell? Can they stop Debo Samuel? Can they protect Aaron Rodgers? If they can do that, I don't think Green Bay will struggle against San Francisco, but those are major ifs uh, ultimately. For you, I know as a fan, you'll probably kind of tell me the same thing. What do you worry about the most for your team in this contest? Well, it's uh, going to be four degrees. <laughs> Which, in, the, the, in some ways, it plays to our advantage because, you know, Jimmy can't Garoppolo as much if uh, he's not having to throw the football as much. But, I mean, there has been some, you know, some positives from the throwing. I mean, Juwan Jennings has done extremely well, uh, did really well against the Rams, had a you know, decent game last week against the Cowboys. Um, so the, the receiving game is dynamic as long as Garoppolo doesn't make mistakes. And ultimately, that is my concern, is just us you know, giving you guys the ball, giving Aaron Rodgers opportunities. Because once again, if we go on paper, there is no doubt, no one is going to dispute that the better quarterback and potentially the best quarterback left in the playoff or in the postseason is playing for the Packers. Uh, he, and for him, this is you know, get the monkey off his back game. You know, much like uh, it was for when Steve Young finally was able to beat Favre in 99. You know, for Rodgers, he has not had success against this another 90s, another good rivalry uh, in the postseason. So I, I think the defense for the Packers is a little bit tougher. Uh, the, the regular season game was close. You guys got, you know, got by a two-point, I think, a, you know, advantage. Of course, it was a little bit warmer when they played that game, too. Um, and I, I think Elijah Mitchell may have been a little banged up in that last game. So, I mean, him being able to play, play extremely well, uh, Debo being able to play well, and the point that you made against the Titans when the 49ers played them earlier, you know, don't forget about George Kittle. You know, don't forget that you have one of the better tight ends in the league. Because, uh, you know, Garoppolo, you know, certainly uh, if that play-action pass it, with two Kittle is, you know, pretty pretty deadly. And, um I think for the 49ers, much like you got to keep Aaron Rodgers off the field. Uh, Garoppolo needs to make, need not make mistakes, and you can't let Rodgers just dominate the game. And you can't let Rodgers have the ball late because uh, uh, he's somebody that you know can throw a 60-yard bomb in the field to take the game away. So uh, ultimately, it's going to be a tough battle. I'm going to say 49ers because I have to say 49ers. Uh, but I mean, you know, this is certainly a lot of advantages are playing for Green Bay. You know, they got the home field advantage, and Lambeau Field is pretty, pretty majestic this time of year. I mean, very few teams have been able to march in there and come out with the, the victory, except for the 49ers in 2010 with Colin Kaepernick at the quarterback. That was a, uh, a time right. that Green Bay will never forget, and of course. Uh, 
Tom Brady was able to, to do that. But uh, That's different. That's a different breed of human being. Jimmy Garoppolo. That's right. But uh, ultimately, I'm glad to have Nick Bosa in there because you know, that injury looked pretty rough at the time. And also glad that you know Fred Warner didn't get hurt because I mean, it would be a different game if you don't have both. You know, if both Bosa and Warner are out. Then I'm, I'm very cautiously optimistic. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, George did pick the Packers as well. So you're kind of lone wolfing it this week as they That's do right. uh, on the old NFL Network uh, with Rich Eisen and, and Mooch and, and Michael and, and Kurt. You're going to lone wolf with them. Uh, but in this in this case, I I, I know that this is going to be one of those games that you know it, a lot of people are watching. Um, Green Bay has struggled in years past. Obviously, we know the conference championship struggles, but Rodgers has struggled. A lot of people forget when he's the number one seed or has a bye week. If you remember Eli Manning coming to town uh, and just absolutely dominating Green Bay in the playoffs. Uh, that was one that I surely have never forgotten uh, after the Giants started as the sixth seed and came through and won that game at Lambeau. So just a little bit of that for um, Green Bay this week in, in, in San Francisco, but um, definitely exciting to watch that and, and letting our rivalry be renewed for another week uh, here in the NF, uh, NFL divisional round, NFC divisional round as well. On Sunday, the Rams will go to Tampa. Uh, I think this one, the Rams, like I said, I think they played a, a pretty bad Arizona team that was pretty banged up, just not the same caliber that we've seen. Uh, you got to think that pick six that Kyler Murray threw was just absolutely weird to watch uh, in general. Um, but Tampa looked like they were firing on all cylinders. That Rams defense is going to be tough. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, we know Jalen Ramsey's a tough defensive back. They have a good pass rush and Aaron Donald and Von Miller. We know all that that's going into it, but my biggest thing that I'm looking at here is just the fact that the Bucks have Tom Brady, the Rams do not. Um, Matt Stafford, you get your first victory, but in this, I'm taking the Bucks. Uh, George took the Bucks. What do you think about this one? It is hard to not pick Brady and this Buccaneers team, even with the the loss of a lot of talent, a lot of explosive players. You know, they still have explosive players in Gronkowski. You know, it's – you don't want to, but you also kind of – you know, the, the Rams do have that potential. I think that they have a, a decent shot at it. And I think, you know, once again, if they are able to beat the Buccaneers, that I feel bad for, you know, San Francisco or Green Bay – to take them on because I feel like they kind of are at that uh, that point where they might just they got the momentum on their side, but I I, I can't pick against Brady, you know I, I'm I'll have to go with Tampa Bay too and uh, this one's close though I think if any of them that uh, I'm I'm really on the fence on uh, it would be this one where I think that the you know, the Rams do have a probably a better shot of getting the upset than I think maybe people are giving credit for. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. I mean, they have a very talented defense. I think that's what kind of keeps them in this contest. But I just think the Buccaneers' defense is so much better than what Matt Stafford is going to be able to uh, figure out. I, I feel like that's the big thing. I think Stafford is the X factor. I think he had a great game, um, but I don't think – I think he had a great game against the Cardinals, but I feel like he's going to only have a good game and it won't be good enough against that Tampa Bay defense. I mean, that Tampa Bay defense is – is 
one of the tops in the league for a reason. I mean, one of the best linebacking core. Secondary is great. Um, and even that front defensive line has been absolutely phenomenal. So we'll have to see what that one's going to be. Final game of that one on Sunday, we'll have the Bills at the Chiefs. This uh, is what's shaping up to me to be the future of the AFC. Um, I feel for the next few seasons, we'll see some sort of shape of this in the divisional or conference championship game for the next few seasons if teams stay the way are as close as possible to the way that they are with the playmakers and superstars on those teams. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and company hosting the Bills. Mahomes has only lost one, oh, uh, yes, one playoff game as a starter in the playoffs at home. He's only played his playoff games at home. He's never played anywhere else during the playoffs. So he gets another one at home against a surging Buffalo team. Both teams looked impressive. The one thing that I would worry about if I'm Kansas City is the fact that you had a slow start against a Steelers defense that was trying to play up as best as they can. You're now going against a Bills defense that's the best in the NFL in a lot of categories. Mm-hmm. I'll go with the Bills on this one. I, I, I just feel like the Bills got the momentum. I feel like they have that energy. I, I think that they, they probably want it more. I mean, they're, they're, there has been a little bit of lethargy with the Kansas City organization all year. They did start picking it up a little bit towards the end, and certainly, I mean, it is Pittsburgh, as we you know, belabored in the last segment, really the best barometer. Uh, you played the weakest playoff team, and um, you maybe didn't look as great as you could have looked in that game. So I, I gotta go with the Bills. I, I just feel like they just they're, they're gonna want it more. I think that they're just gonna go out there and just hit Kansas City on the mouth. And you know, Tampa Bay, the, the Bucks exposed that last year. You know, if the Bills play and get the pressure and you know, just really hit Patrick Mahomes, they're gonna rattle him. And I, I think they will. And uh, Josh Allen's gonna do what he needs to do. And you know, we'll probably have Ryan Fitzpatrick there at Arrowhead, which, you know, we've been there before. We know that's that's a pretty insane environment. So, if, you know, Fitzpatrick, if he goes, you know, follows the Bills, he'll fit right in in that crowd because <laughs> there's a, it's rowdy. I don't know. Those of us who made that trip to Arrowhead Stadium for a postseason game, it, that atmosphere is absolutely electric and insane. But I'm going to go for the Bills. I think that, you know, we're setting up to possibly see a Music City Miracle Part 2. In the AFC Championship, yeah, I'm I'm very torn on this one. I I mean I don't know if I don't choose the Chiefs if I'll be allowed into Western Missouri ever again. Um, in this uh, the way I'm looking at it, I mean this is this is a tough game to kind of make a prediction about, just because you do have Patrick Mahomes who's been there, done that. He's almost perfect at home in the playoffs. That Chiefs fan base is going to be absolutely fired up, insane. They're going to have the 12th man out there. They're going to hit the drum beforehand. Tech Nine's going to play at halftime. They're going to they're going to drop Red Kingdom out there and start singing. Um, it's going to be a huge game. It's going to be a huge game atmosphere. And I, I mean, I'm leaning. The only I, I look at it. I mean, you look at the weapons that the Chiefs have. I mean, you just have Travis Kelsey. Uh, Edwards Hilaire will be back in the backfield. You still have Williams. You still have Jared McKinnon who went off as well. Um, you have the receiving core with Miko Hardman, Tyreek Hill. Uh, you have Pringle who comes out there and makes plays. The only thing is this. I, I think I'm going to do this based off of one player on Buffalo. 
I'm going to choose the Bills in this game. It's more of a emotional pick for me than it is a uh, going off any type of statistic. I'm going with the Bills in this contest because I want to see Micah Hyde succeed. Uh, Micah Hyde, if, if you know, uh, he was one of the very first people I ever interviewed when it came to being in Green Bay. Um, at training camp, first guy that I kind of had an opportunity to do like a one-on-one interview with. And so I've always been a big Micah Hyde guy. Uh, I hated when Green Bay sent him away because you could just tell who he was and what he was going to be. And through the years of having, unfortunately, having Kevin King at corner, it makes you miss a guy like Micah Hyde even more. It makes you miss a guy like Casey Hayward a little bit more as well because of just how fantastic those players were in Green Bay. So I'm going to do this based off of emotion. Uh, I, I really don't ever make picks like that. Um, but I've been tossing on it all day of who I was going to pick. I just really want to see Micah Hyde make it to a AFC championship game. So um, for all that reasoning, I'm going to go ahead and take the bills in this one. I do think that, you know, when you look at their first game, um, they have a lot to prove. I think they're trying to prove to a lot of people that they are a better team. Um, you know, even though they play the jets twice a year, uh, even though they play, you know, which the Dolphins were good, so it really doesn't matter there. I mean, they played a tough Dolphins team who went on some good runs, um, but they proved themselves against one of the best AFC teams in the past 20 years to ever step into the playoffs and the, definitely the best head coach in the NFL um, of all time in Bill Belichick. So they're surging right now. The defense is going to have to know Andy Reid's going to throw everything he's got at them. Uh, the one thing that really worries me, though, is Andy Reid made a comment, and I don't know if you've seen this or not, but he said winning the Super Bowl is like eating a piece of chocolate cake. He said getting back in the playoffs and being so close to winning it again is like having a whole other cake dangled in front of your face. It worries cool. me. It worries Where is me. motivation for Andy <laughs> Reid? Andy Reid is Andy Reid is hungry. His team is hungry, hungry. but I'm going to go. I'm still going to go with Buffalo on this one. I just have that emotional appeal. I like Micah Hyde a lot. I really want to see him have as much success as Micah Hyde can possibly have. Um, He was a great dude. Uh, He gave, like I said, my first interview I ever had at a training camp was with Micah Hyde. So I'm going to take Buffalo just for that reason. George and I didn't differ at all. You and I only differ in one game for this week. So we'll see how we go. Uh, if the 49ers win, you'll be perfect this week if everything sits the way that we do. Uh, if not, just one blemish. Not bad. Not bad at all. George, uh, George and I, he doesn't like to always pick the games that I do. So I think if he was here, he probably would have flipped a pick or two um, just to kind of make that happen. But um, so far, I, I feel good about our picks, and we'll see what happens uh, this weekend. Let's step aside, take our final break. Here we come back. We're going to talk about some of the best moments in playoff history, not counting the Super Bowl. We're going to bring up a few of those. Uh, Cody mentioned one of those being the catch. We'll talk about that along with some of the ones that we can remember in most recent years, uh, including another one that Cody talked about as well. So step aside here on Talking Schmidt. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You knew exactly what's happening. Let's step aside, take a break here on Talking Schmidt. We have more coming at you. And welcome back to Talking Schmidt. Final segment here of our show, the NFL Divisional Round upon us. The Brothers Schmidt War, if you will, here as we talked about the Packers 49ers, made our predictions. 
in that contest, getting a chance to have uh, bragging rights as well. Um, you have bragging rights from fantasy this season. I think you beat me all three outings that we had. So oh, was it, it may have been four, right? Because we played each other in both rounds of the playoffs. That's rough. That was That's weird. Rough. Yeah, I swept you, man. I swept you like that. I, I, you know, I took the Schmidt Bowl like hands down. Like a four to nothing. That that's that is rough. I had I had a uh, I had the best surge possible towards the end of the season to make all three playoffs in all three of my leagues and lose in the first round in all three. Yep. That is that was a rough outing for me. I literally got the sixth seed in in our league, got bounced by the eventual winner. Technically, Tyler did beat me. So shout out. To our winner this year, Casey Cruzen, our good friend Tyler Dickerson, winning the uh, Pros versus Joes, soon to be remodeled, renamed Talking Schmidt League. Um, lost in that one. Then, of course, shout out to my friends there at One Church in Joplin. They've kept me in their league, even though I haven't been there for two years. They've kept me around. Number one seed bumped in the first round. That was rough. And then uh, the weatherman, Chase Bullman, won that one. I don't even know what happened there. I don't know how the weatherman won, but he made it rain on all of us, apparently. And then finally, uh, in the Lawn Doctor League, I was uh, battled my way into being the three seed, got bumped in the first round uh, by our good friend Matt Bennett. And then he lost to Matt Huff in the Battle of Matt's uh, in the uh, finals. So the firefighters technically stole the show in the Lawn Doctor League. Yep. I was rough. Rough outing this year for me all around, making the playoffs, getting bounced. I uh, felt like the Raiders. Um, to go along with that, we're going to talk a little bit about some major moments in playoff history. Some of the ones that kind of pop up and I think reoccur throughout them. You mentioned the big one was the catch. Uh, it's one of the greatest moments, in, and it sparked a, you know, a run and a dynasty for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, another big one that's in that list as well is that the QB sneak by Bart Starr in the Ice Bowl uh, that obviously launched the first ever Super Bowl victory for the NFL, which was the Green Bay Packers of the Kansas City Chiefs, which eventually they'd win the next one against the Raiders as well. So won two Super Bowls off of that one. And then finally, uh, one of the big ones as well was the Immaculate Reception uh, caught by Franco Harris off that Terry Bradshaw pass, which Technically, you'll hear Raiders fans argue that it still should never have counted, but you'll always hear uh, Steelers fans tell you it doesn't matter. History's over. Franco Harris scored. So, uh, ultimately, looking at those games, is there any other old-time playoff ones that you can remember? Um, obviously, we weren't alive for any of these that were on there, but just in the football lore in general that you can remember thinking back and just people talking about or just kind of remembering that that obviously wasn't a Super Bowl game. Oh, gosh, you know, there, there's a lot, a lot to go through. And, you know, in, you know, interesting with the Raiders, you talk about the Immaculate Reception and, you know, more recent times, the Tuck Rule. And now, very recent, as of last week, the, uh, the whistle. <laughs> so, for the Raiders organization, for that franchise, some of the most controversial plays uh, certainly, and of course, with the Bengals, I mean, if they were to go on a run this year, that would be that, that play, the infamy of that play would really sear into the minds of Raiders fans and Raiders Nation. 
And uh, you know, so the catch is a really big one. I think that is just that 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 is the West Coast offense. That's Joe Montana. That's Walsh's, you know, brainchild. You know, coming to fruition and to beat the Cowboys team, which had been very dominant in the the seventies with you know Tom Landry. And you know, Tom Landry is still coaching at that time. The Cowboys. So it was, it was certainly a you know, big passing uh, the torch. You know, you look at. Uh, for Bills, their playoff history, you know, four straight Super Bowl losses and how that has hung over that organization for the last 30 years. Um, you know, a, lot, a lot of the younger fans may not realize that, but back in the late 80s and early 90s, there's a their quarterback, Jim Kelly, who is arguably one of the better passing, you know, pure pocket passing quarterbacks in league history, you know, got the Bills to four straight and they, they lost all four of them. <laughs> So, a uh, very snake-bitten organization when it comes to postseason for the Bills. Uh, but I would, you know, think probably still a, a big moment in, in light of the – in the spirit of the tomorrow is Steve Young finally getting Brett Favre. And that 1999 win at Candlestick Park against the Packers. You know, after the Packers had just dominated the 49ers in the NFC Championship the previous two years. Yeah, I mean, and you got to think that was – uh, T.O.'s uh, coming out party as well. He got yeah. the game winner in that one. So, you know, he had dropped everything in that game. They didn't really know if T.O. was going to be it. They were trying to say this is the next Jerry Rice. And then he catches the game winner uh, that, you know. Maybe we see him tomorrow against the Rams. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Really, if T.O. has his way, he'll be, play, he'll be suiting up against the Rams. Yeah, that, that'll, be, uh, that'll be the day. Um, I think Antonio Brown has a better chance of coming back and playing for him tomorrow before T.O. does. But T.O. still looks like he's in good shape. I mean, I've seen Chad Johnson as well, Ocho Seco. He still looks in good shape as well. So we'll see. Uh, I, I highly doubt that they're out there. But some of the more recent ones, obviously, uh, that came to mind when I was thinking about it, I forgot about the tuck rule. That's a good one. It's a great moment in the playoffs um, that kind of, you know, just really propelled Tom Brady's career. I mean, everything's different if that doesn't count. Um Ultimately, uh, Tebow in overtime was another big one. I think a lot of people forget about that one. Tebow throwing that 80 yard touchdown to Demarius Thomas. Granted, I mean, it was like a 20 yard pass that turned into an 80 yard touchdown. So a lot of it was DT RIP, my friend. Um, but Tim Tebow throwing that pass in overtime, you know, that's something that's going to always go down in, in NFL lore. Uh, you know, Tebow has always been a polarizing figure, you know, for whatever reason. And, you know, there's always been people who have just absolutely despised Tim Tebow and him ever getting a chance in anything he's ever done, steps out in a game and he'll always be in Broncos legend history because uh, he did win a playoff game with the Broncos. I thought of that one, another great one that's happened most recently, I think it's probably one of the most recent crazy moments was the Minnesota miracle uh, where uh, yep. Case Keenum finds Stefan Diggs. He catches around two Saints players who collide and then takes off to the house, ends up winning the game for Minnesota. Uh, so that was another, you know, major moment recently. And then, of course, I think in most recent era of the NFL, uh, obviously, I mean, you know, from the 90s on here, almost in that new century, if you will, and starting in the 2000s, even though it technically didn't happen in the 2000s, but really in our lifetime watching NFL games in the playoffs, it's obviously the Music City Miracle by far is the most, uh, I feel, nostalgic moment for anybody watching the playoffs. It'll be talked about every single year when you get to the playoffs, no matter what, whether it be the fact that Mike Keith's call will always be 
you know, heard in infamy because of just how great it was or just just the magic behind it in general of, you know, a pass that some people still say is forward. And, you know, Bills fans will tell you it's forward. Uh, but just, you know, why check, you know, across the field to Dyson, I think will always kind of go down in history as really the greatest playoff moment um, in most of our current fan generation's minds. And I know for me, it definitely is. That Music City Miracle was just absolutely unbelievable uh, to just be able to say that, you know, you witnessed it uh, is just a huge thing. But I mean, did I miss anything in kind of current times that you can remember? Do you feel like there's maybe a bigger moment? I, I highly doubt it. I, I know you're probably going to stick with the Music City Miracle as well, but um, anything else that you can think of current time uh, other than obviously the tuck rule, like you mentioned? Well, you know, but they had the, that just Warner and Rogers in the desert where, you know, that, that high scoring game, just, you know, you know, Kurt Warner and Aaron Rodgers both just sort of duking it out. And, uh, you know, that, that, you know, not to bring up another point where, you know, Rodgers, you know, chokes in the playoffs, but, uh, uh, he punted you know, the ball was, backwards. Yeah. And he got <laughs> so, sacked. Yeah. Uh, that, that is, you know, certainly, I think memorable for you know, people, especially, you know, for the Cardinals, because I think they were like an eight and eight, division champion and they had you know an incredible run that year just you're know, highly improbable and you know, as you mentioned before new york you know not to you know add insult to injury to a you know, packers fan here but the giants and anybody who faced off against the giants that year and as a 49ers fan i experienced it a few years later when we were the number one seed at candlestick park and you know eli and the giants had their second you know moment where they caught lightning in a bottle and uh you know just really so so mediocre. You could definitely see you know, you know flares of greatness during the regular season, but just in the playoffs, it just all came together for him. And uh, you know that does I think where you, you those moments, you know, certainly the Titans when we talk about Music City Miracle, that was kind of one of those things. They weren't the division champion that year, even though they did beat the Jaguars twice. Actually, they ended up being three times. So they'd go on to beat Jacksonville the following week, I believe, in the divisional round. And it, just, it, it kind of gives us that sense of like a team of destiny almost. And what I think what makes the Music City Miracle so um, seared in the minds of everybody and creates a lot of controversy, like what Peyton Manning coming out to yet today or yesterday saying it was an illegal play. But you know, Mike, like you said, Mike Keith. Mike Keith called it perfectly. And uh, it was one of those moments like if you were listening to it on the radio, it was probably more profound than if you're watching it live in the stadium or on television. Yeah, I thought about two other moments, and obviously they're both bad moments for Green Bay. There was another moment uh, in Arizona, if you remember, Aaron Rodgers throws up that beautiful touchdown to Jeff Janis, the Hail Mary, sends it to OT, and turns around at OT, and they find Larry Fitzgerald on a slant route that turns into a 90-yard gain down to the 10-yard line, and then they flip it to him, and Cardinals win an OT. That was a great one. And then uh, to bash on Mike McCarthy, which I love to do, as you know, this is a definitely a bash on Mike McCarthy zone. In my house, anytime, any day of the week, Cowboys fans, you're welcome to vent to me because, believe me, there's a support group. It's all of Green Bay. Uh, Mike McCarthy against the Seattle Seahawks in the championship game, if we remember. Uh, that yeah. In Seattle, Green Bay had a two-touchdown lead in the fourth quarter. Russell Wilson comes back because we hand off the ball to Eddie Lacy for three straight plays and he gets three yards every single time. So a yard per gain. 
uh, or yard per down, punting the ball a million times, allowing Seattle to come back. They kick the onside kick, bounces off Brian Bostick's head, recovered by Seattle. They score, force the overtime, then throw a, a dime, I believe, to Doug Baldwin, catches that across the middle, wins the game in OT as well. That also against Green Bay. So moments like that, in my mind, and I think more than anything, what we were robbed of that year, more than anything, was Rodgers versus Brady in a Super Bowl. That's what we were robbed of. And Mike McCarthy, that needs to go on his gravestone. Rob Packers fans and all of the world from seeing Rodgers versus Brady in a Super Bowl. That is the worst. That's like the worst thing that Mike McCarthy has ever done. Really, it really truly is. I mean, to see two of the greatest to ever duke it out. I mean, granted, we've seen it now in the NFC Championship game and obviously – Brady getting the best of that. Um, but, I mean, you had a chance to see that in the Super Bowl. How many times do you really get to see, you know, two, I guess, quarterbacks of different eras, even though Tom Brady's era is technically spanning, it seems like, 30 years now. Um, I feel like Tom Brady has been playing football as long as I've been alive. But uh, just to kind of see that come together with two of the greatest to ever really touch the field in two different, you know, styles of play. I mean, we never really saw – Brady Manning in a Super Bowl, we always saw it in the AFC Championship games or divisionals. Um, you know, flipping that now, I mean, you look at it and you could have had a chance to see Brady Rogers, but it was all kind of destroyed by Mike McCarthy and his terrible game management skills. It's just Seattle making up for Matt Hasselbeck's infamous line. Oh, that's another great moment. Hey, how about we end on that one? That's where we're going to end at. We'll, the greatest, we'll throw you both there for back <laughs> the greatest moment. In NFL playoff history is Matt Hasselback looking at the official in overtime and saying, we want the ball first, we're going to score and win, and him throwing a pick six to pick Mike six. McKenzie. <laughs> that, my friend, is the greatest moment in all of NFL playoff history, and I will never let anybody tell me any different. Um, with that, Cody, man, I do appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining me. Good luck, uh, good luck tomorrow. Um, obviously we won't talk until Sunday. Um, I know that'll be something that is a tradition with us. We don't watch the game. I, a lot of people ask me, you know, do you and Cody watch 49ers Packers games together? And I'm like, absolutely not. Even we were growing up, we'd watch it in different rooms. Um, we fight each other. Yeah, it was no, we, not... we did. We did think about making the, uh, as Matt Rabbit said, there was a 13 hour trip yes. up to Lambo to watch this live. So yeah. I'm just actually, and, and unfortunately, tomorrow, I mean, it's not even unfortunately, I'm going to, you know, be doing something I love during the time that the Titans are playing because Austin P is playing TSU in basketball. Oh, so I'll be out there, obviously, calling those games for radio. So that's something that I truly do love. I'm getting a chance to do something I love. Obviously, um, it is kind of weird that it's on one of the biggest uh, sporting weekends, you know, with this NFL divisional round going on. But um if I couldn't be watching television, I'd want to be obviously doing something I love, like calling basketball or really just calling anything for Austin P sports. So um, I'll be in Nashville technically tomorrow while the game is going on. I'll just be calling basketball instead of, you know, being able to watch the Titans game, but I'll have it pulled up. But yes, um, we don't ever watch the games together. We've, we've never watched a, a Packers 49ers game in the same room um, just because, a lot of times it just goes not so fun for one of us, obviously. But uh, in general, a lot of times it's not really close enough to even be like, oh, man, it's a last-second thing. 
normally when these two teams meet, it's pretty clear cut who's going to win early on in the contest. So, um, again, a big shout out to our sponsor, Big Timber Roofing, uh, our good friend Corey Turner. If you're having any issues with your roofs, want a free estimate, give him a call, 931-472-5055. You can hit him up. You can check out his Facebook page, Big Timber Roofing. You can visit him, uh, his website at bigtimberroofing.com, or you can shoot him an email at bigtimberroofing at gmail.com. He'll have a chance to get a free estimate on your roof for you. Get your roof protected before we start getting into the rainy season that is ahead of us, April showers bring May flowers, right? That's the old adage. That's right. That's right. All right. We, we managed to make it through this whole <laughs> segment without a Manning level flub up, a uh, little, little technical difficulty. So <laughs> kind of- um, shout out to Peyton Manning for yelling out. I can't hear S word while Eli Manning was talking. Um, that was probably one of the greatest moments ever. We, we uh, were close to doing that earlier. When we first started up the segment. <laughs> The first, the first recording that we tried definitely was a I can't hear s moment really quick, um, and then <laughs> and then definitely uh, me pulling an Eli saying okay never mind then, um, uh, and I had to write some notes so you could hear me because you couldn't hear me so that was always fun too uh, over here on the legal pad I was trying to write notes and directions to see if we get it fixed and then we just ultimately had to start from scratch so. Uh, another week of uh, Talking Schmidt in the books. We hope you guys enjoyed it. We hope you join us again next week. It'll be conference championship week next week. Uh, we should have George back with us. Um, just ran in, I ran into some scheduling issues with, with George this week. He was ready to go middle of this week, and then I got busy and booked doing a lot of other crazy things going on right now. Um, if you're in the Clarksville area, you can check out and listen to ESPN Clarksville on Tuesday nights. We have the coach's show for P men's and women's basketball. Right now, it's me doing the show, so that's a fun thing. Uh, starts at 6 o'clock on ESPN Clarksville and also on Friday nights. If you're in the area, local sports talk show. It is Sports Night Clarksville. It's a show that I've been working on for a few months now, talking to local coaches in our area. Fired up for that one as well, so you can always check that out. If you have any questions that you like answered on the podcast as well, you can head over to probably Twitter. That's probably going to be your best bet. Find me at underscore coach underscore Schmidt. You can drop a question there. I'm looking to start getting more involved with dropping a a podcast poll question as well, um, where we try to get that answered um, by the listeners and people like that who are going to be following me on social media. So you can do that catch me there find out what i'm doing i'm I'm normally traveling around with austin basketball so you might know where i'm at but for my good friend and my brother coach schmidt like to say thank you guys for listening to another week hope you join us again next week this has been another episode of talking schmidt